Hey, everybody. Welcome to Match of the Year podcast. I'm Chris Garcia, your host. Today we're talking about, I know I said I was going to talk about Flair versus Steamboat. I need some time. It's a hard match to talk about, really, because there's so much mystique about it amongst the smart community. And really the smart community, if you think about it. But I got another match in mind, and this is an interesting match for a number of reasons. And I have to tackle a topic that's going to come up a couple times. The match is the tag team tournament match between Edge and Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. The Benoit is the problem, of course. Let's start with the obvious. Yes, Benoit is a monster. Well, was. Yes, he murdered his wife and his kid. Yes, he is in many ways a black eye on the wrestling community. No, we can't erase him from the history. And he was one of the greatest workers of all time, period. You can trace so much of NXT, of the peak, pinnacle of WWE right now. Hell, even New Japan. If you watch AJ Styles, you are seeing Chris Benoit's influence. It's gigantic. It's huge. And it's often underrepresented. And it's easy to understand why you'd want to sort of write him out of history. And I I really, you want to say Benoit didn't matter, but he did. And there's there's the competing things where uh, by talking about him, you are justifying his existence. You are saying that it's more important that uh, he was a great wrestler than that he was a terrible human being. The sidelight of that, of course, is he was... Those, the complete other side is that you're, even though he's a terrible human being, was still important to the story. They both, they're both right. That's the problem. Here's my take. We can talk about Chris Benoit as a quality wrestler anytime, so long as we don't forget to mention that he's also a monster. There's that. This is a match between four really Hall of Fame careers. Benoit changed the way wrestling worked at the top of the card, was probably the best worker from 1990 till about, I'd say 1990 till about 95, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. There were a couple of people battling for that. But then from 2000 until he killed himself, he was probably the best worker in the world, period. Uh, he was spectacular. Rey Mysterio changed wrestling by introducing first to Mexico, and this is what sort of people miss, and then to the rest of the world, this sort of new Lucha Libre concept. Because he was tiny. He worked as a mini, apparently, when he first started. And then he moved up to the, uh, as the hummingbird, uh, La Colabia, La Cobira, Cobiri, something like that. Uh, Worked the spectacular style that if you watch it, you just go, wow, that's incredible what he did. He blew people's minds in 1995 when he came to the U.S. He had blown minds in Mexico before that. Um, the match, the two matches really that established him were versus Psychosis in ECW, where that was really the first time that type of Lucha Libre, we'd had... You know, Mils Mascaras and uh, El Kanek 
uh, we had a whole bunch of other uh, Mexican wrestlers in uh, in L.A. and Texas, but this was the first time we'd seen that sort of flying. And Psychosis was as important as Ray was to put getting that over. The second one was actually in Japan. And Japan already had sort of this lucha concept with uh, Ultimo Dragon and uh, the Great Sasuke working their magic. But it was the match at the... It was a special attraction match at the... I think it was the Super J Cup 95... 094-95, where they put on this show on the war card, and they were amazing. Um, watching it today, it seems very tame. But we have 20 years of, you know, hindsight there. It's an amazing match when you watch what was going on, even in the mainstream of Japanese wrestling. It was great. Uh, I would actually say it's four and a half stars. Uh, by today's standards, it would probably be a four-star match. But there's very little from 1995 that would hold up today. I mean, I've rewatched a lot of the Bret Hart stuff from that period, which was probably the peak of his work, and it doesn't hold up nearly as well. Edge, an amazing wrestler. There's no other way to put it. Uh, when he did the Matt Hardy angle with Lita. It allowed him in push and storyline to match up with where he had been in ring talent wise. Uh, Just spectacular and often doesn't get the play he deserves as being one of the best of his generation. Kurt Angle, there's so much you can say. Uh, One of the best legitimate Amateur wrestlers ever, one of the best professional wrestlers ever. He's so incredible in that he combines Ric Flair's best qualities with Bret Hart's best qualities. But he had something else that's amazing. He's able to adapt his style to anyone else's so fluidly. When we saw him working early in his career with the likes of Taz, uh, when we got to see him against Brock Lesnar, when we saw him have some incredible matches with Chris Benoit, and that's part of the storyline of this main event, uh, the match of the year for 2002. He had just some amazing matches, and then he left and went to TNA and has had a great career having great matches with the likes of Samoa Joe there. This match was, there was a storyline that this match went through that the titles had been stripped from Los Guerreros, I think. Uh, I think this was when Eddie was fired and left before he came back. Uh, Maybe I have my timeline wrong on that, but I know that they were stripped and so there was a tag title tournament. And these were the last two. And Kurt and Chris were doing this sort of, uh, they didn't want to team, but they were teaming. Uh, very similar to uh, the Michaels Austin Tag Championship uh, about three or four years before this. Uh, this was a match that watching it first shows that this was a period of flux for wrestling. Uh, 
the type of wrestling we see today and the type of wrestling we're seeing in 99, 98, 99, even early 2000, very different. I think we had just started to see John Cena. Uh, Maybe he hadn't quite debuted. I think maybe he debuted in 2003. Uh, But people were certainly aware of him as the prototype at that point. He hadn't come... We hadn't gotten sort of that sort of wave that happened in 2003, 4, 5. But the WWE wouldn't have been a place for, for example, Cesaro. The New Day would never have worked in that period. The world was different. And part of the reason for that was that guys like Ray, Benoit, Angle, and Edge really did redefine what you could do. Edge was probably the most traditional of these three. Uh, You had the super high-flying style of Mysterio. You had this slightly more ground-based junior style, very, very, very aggressive. That's what a lot of people sort of, when you watch a Chris Benoit match, he's very aggressive in his work, and it's really impressive. And he was a good brawler, too. Uh, His feud with Kevin Sullivan definitely showed that he could brawl. Angle was a sort of chameleon. And he could be a power wrestler when he was in with someone who was either smaller or uh, flyer. Uh, You definitely see that when he works in this match with Ray. He could be a ground-based, ground-and-pound wrestler. You saw that a lot, Uh, especially in his matches with Brock Lesnar, which I think are really underrated. I think that they are matches that deserve to be re-examined. And he could just be a straight-up pro, and he was great working with Edge. The match itself is pretty cookie-cutter, honestly. But it's so crisp, and there are so many differing styles that bounce off each other. And Kurt here is just spectacular in that he goes between working the traditional main event style, and he's working a main event here. His work, it's not the main event of the show, but this is to he, the way he works it is like he's working a main event. And particularly when it, with Edge, you see that. When he's with Ray, he's actually doing power stuff, and he's doing the ground stuff too, but it's amazing to watch him be this sort of wrestling chameleon. And I believe this is the only time Kurt won the match of the year from the Observer. He won a couple or even a few, I think. Uh, in the RSPW Awards, he won more than one, I know, from uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. This match, I believe, won all three. Deservedly so. This match, more than any other I can think of, also shows that the crowd has a propensity to understand big match wrestling better than we give them credit for. And I'm talking big match wrestling. I'm talking about just work. Just like these are guys who are out there working a match. And they build in a, in a really a great, great match. They build in heat as time goes on. That has, definitely happens here. The end of this match is a really hot crowd. The beginning's, I wouldn't say cold, but it's, it's a crowd that is expectant. And maybe there are a whole bunch of smarts, but 
they knew something great was going to happen, I think. And it really did pay off. The end of this match is spectacular. Definitely go watch. It's on the WWE Network. It's hard to find. Because uh, in a lot of the former pay-per-views, WWE puts markers for various things. Usually the starts, uh, sometimes a big spot or angle in the middle of a match and then the end of the match. They don't do that for any of Chris Benoit's matches. I believe this is No Mercy also. So, like 2002, go find it. It's, I think it's a semi-main event. It will really pay off, and you'll really understand. If you, if you came into wrestling after Chris Benoit's sort of heyday, you may only know him as this guy no one talks about. But watch this match, and you'll understand what the big deal was. You'll also see Kurt less broken down. Uh, Kurt has had it tough the past few years, and part of that's his own damn fault. Uh, Kurt has managed to maintain incredibly high personal performance standards, while I wouldn't say self-destructing, but certainly not helping himself much. Ray's been hurt, of course. There was the unfortunate incident with a Paraguayo Jr. Uh, has just signed, I believe, with Lucha Underground. We'll probably have some great matches, but honestly, his knees are so bad. And part of it is the entrance for this match at the time was he would shoot 15 feet in the air and then he would land. And that just jars your knees all to hell. Edge is the only one here whose career is over and is enjoying a long retirement. Uh, he, he had serious neck problems, had a couple of spinal fusions, I believe. Uh, is acting now, and actually I saw a short film, a Canadian short film that he's in, where he's really good at playing just a dad. Uh, really solid acting. Uh, I was really pleased by that. He was in a show with my friend Kate Kilton. Uh, Haven? One of those shows. Uh, and he was really good. I hope he gets more, more meaty roles. In this one, he was just playing a dad, and he was so good. I mean, I would love to see him actually just get, like, a romantic lead. Uh, in a small-time quirky independent. Go figure. Uh, speaking of which, I just viewed a lovely little movie called The Dog Wedding, uh, which features Matt Bloom, better known as Albert in the WWE, uh, now the head trainer at NXT. If you get a chance, see that, because it is really fun. It's a sweet, sweet movie. For like romantic comedies, it's way to way to go. Maybe I'm preaching to the wrong group on a wrestling podcast. Go figure. Great match. See Curtin Benoit versus Edge and Rey Mysterio. The next thing I'm going to do is my match of the year for 2015. And it'll feature some matches you probably haven't seen and a couple you'd probably expect me to see. Also a rant about New Japan. Uh, So stay tuned. Thanks. Thanks. 